This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For those of you who have an Alexa at home, you can now ask it medical questions, including booking a doctor's appointment and checking on prescriptions. Amazon's next step into the world of healthcare involves that virtual assistant. After a trial of the smart speakers in patient rooms at Cedar sinai Hospital in Los Angeles, the door is now open for select developers to build and launch HIPAA-compliant healthcare skills for Alexa. This type of program involving the voice assistant has been in the works for more than a year, with many challenges due to the regulations that are necessary for HIPAA. The U.S. Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act passed through Congress back in 1996. There are already six new skills in place to work with Alexa that will be designated for right now for what are referred to as convert, or I should say covered entities and business associates. With more, we're joined here in studio by Rob Field, professor of law and professor of health management and policy at Drexel University. He's also a lecturer here at the Wharton Health Management Department. Great seeing you. Thanks. What's your reaction to, to, to having Alexa as a component of healthcare? Well, it's an intriguing possibility, and I think it was just a matter of time before we took voice recognition to, to the next level uh, and turned it into your healthcare provider. So you now have a box on top of your kitchen counter uh, that is essentially your doctor sitting and talking to you. Uh, the question is, will it be a technology in search of a purpose? Uh, these first initiatives that they've come in, uh, developed with, with various partners are really not all that different from what you can do on a keyboard right now. Right. Um, certainly, uh, elderly, sick people might find it easier to talk to, to their computer rather than typing something in, but they're not qualitatively uh, uh, different from what came before. But I think, as Amazon has said, this is their first foray uh, into the area. And if these partnerships succeed, right. uh, we will undoubtedly be seeing more. Also joining us, Skip Rossoff, who's a professor emeritus of legal studies and healthcare management here at the Wharton School, also a senior fellow at the Leonard Davis Institute for Health Economics. Skip, great to have you. What's your reaction to, to Amazon Alexa being in the healthcare sector? Well, good morning, Dan. I'm pleased to be with you and Rob this morning. Um, I think this is very interesting, um, but I've been working with uh, some colleagues, um, including Rob, over the last couple of years, concerned about privacy of personal health information uh, that's put on the web in one form or another, uh, from wearable devices uh, to um, electronic health records uh, that people maintain themselves. And I'm not sure that Amazon's getting, uh, you know, checking off the box the regulatory box on HIPAA compliance um, begins to answer the privacy concerns that we ought to have. Um, people overshare because they don't realize uh, where the data can go. And HIPAA, dating back to 1996, makes a very sharp distinction between patient identifiable data and de identified data. And they allow the de identified data to be shared with academic researchers and, and pharmaceutical companies and whatever, but the identifiable data has to be treated with much, much greater care. And in the evolving digital world, uh, the ways that we can re-identify data um, have gone up dramatically. And I don't know that HIPAA compliance adequately addresses that concern. Well, it seems to be a very narrow compliance. Uh, Amazon is casting itself as what's called a business associate. 
which means it has an agreement with the actual providers, the hospitals and uh, pharmacy companies that it's dealing with, uh, that promises that it will abide by the same regulations regarding privacy uh, as those providers. The idea of business associates was supposed to be the opposite. It was supposed to be data coming into the providers uh, that then a, a supplier, the, the company that delivers your copier paper, right. uh, would be bound by if one of their employees happened to see a, a medical record. So this is kind of turning the notion of, of uh, HIPAA privacy on its head. Uh, it's data coming in through the business associate. Right. So uh, I'm sure their lawyers have, have scrutinized this and, and have uh, approved it, but going forward, uh, they're going to be they're going to have to be very careful to stay within the box uh, because it's going to be very easy for data to leak out, and then this narrow yeah. compliance will, will no longer protect them. Let, let's take a step back here for a second. Now, in terms of what Amazon had to do mm-hmm. in order to be able to get to this point, what is the process that a company and entity has to go through to be able to be HIPAA compliant? Uh, the basic rules under HIPAA. Uh, are that patient consent is needed for releasing any data except uh, for other clinicians treating the patient, for the insurer or their payer, uh, or for a a clearinghouse that's collecting the data, um, or uh, for the operations of the provider, uh, checking on quality and so forth. Uh, So uh, Amazon would be bound by this as well. Uh, which raises the question, what are they going to do with the data? If it's right. patient-identified data, uh, can they use their traditional business model of targeting people for advertising? Right. Uh, ba- basically, the answer should be no, but they must have some idea in mind because that's the way they do things. But to a degree, are, are they not even uh, – they're already doing that if, say, you are asking Alexa, hey, can, can you get me a doctor's appointment for X – Alexa is going to be giving you, I would think, two or three options to be able to go to a specific doctor. So to a degree, that's advertising to begin with. Uh, yes. Now, it's not clear that that's the kind of protected information that HIPAA would apply to. Right. If you were to say, I need to see a doctor because my blood glucose has spiked, right. uh, now that would be medical information and that would be an issue. And I think just accepting that kind of information uh, in a clinical sense uh, would trigger HIPAA. Uh, if you were providing it without any clinician involved, it might be different because right. HIPAA only applies to what's called covered entities, basically providers and insurance companies. Right. Um, if I tell you uh, my medical history, you're, you're not bound by HIPAA. Skip, your thoughts? I'm sorry? Your, th- your thoughts on that? I, I mean, it, I, I find it interesting that, uh, th- that you know, you could have this information being provided and, and you're, you're kind of walking a fine line between whether or not it is advertising or providing information. Now, one of the companies that uh, has been working with Amazon in its early stages, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, Zelf, X-E-A-L-T-H, right. which is a Seattle-based company. And one of the things they'll do is based upon your general patient parameters and what your um, health care problems are, uh, they'll put together a list of products and services that might be appropriate for you, and they'll make that available to your doctor. And your doctor can go down and check off as many of those boxes as um, he or she thinks um, you want to know about. Um, and those things can show up as pop-up advertisements um, on your phone or on your computer, or Alexia could say, hey, have you thought about so-and-so? Um, that's, um, that's very much like uh, having detail men. 
often attractive women, salespeople, who go to doctor's office to pitch products and services. And we've got laws uh, governing that because it's regarded as uh, a a risky thing. So this is maybe an end run around the anti-detail men regulations. But I think the line that they've crossed is to get the actual providers involved. Uh, so if you do a Google search for uh, antihistamines uh, or diabetes drugs, mm-hmm. um, that would not trigger HIPAA because we don't have a provider. What's different now is that the data goes to a hospital or a pharmacy company or some right. kind of medical provider. Right. Now it's healthcare data. How then important has been this overall process of data within the healthcare sector in general? Because now so many more doctors are, you know, are are putting their information instead of on a written document, they're putting it into a laptop, which is obviously going to a server. And that data, I would guess, for many of the doctors is going into the cloud to begin with. Right. The difference is right now that data is owned by uh, is controlled by the doctors, perhaps the hospital they're affiliated with and the company that uh, maintains the software system. Right now we've got one of the nation's largest retailers in the mix as well. Uh, And the retailer is interested specifically in advertising and marketing. Right. Uh, And that adds a a new uh, element to the mix that is potentially combustible. You mentioned uh, blood glucose, which I guess is one of the skills that is is linked into Alexa right now, correct? Uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, there are devices being developed uh, that can measure your blood glucose without having to do a needle stick. Uh, you just put something on your skin, and that is very clearly clinical data that would be protected or should be protected. What other areas? I, I mean, I would think that that you're, you kind of have the potential of of so many different areas where you could go with all of these potential different skills and for different areas of healthcare where. Uh, the potential is there for an app to uh, app to come forward. Yeah, well, as Skip was mentioning, this company in Seattle, uh, which is specifically marketing healthcare products, so they've woven this into the medical record, where the doctor not only gives you advice but tells you products you can buy at your local pharmacy. Uh, there are all, all sorts, and, and and I think that's very much on the borderline uh, of of what should be permitted under HIPAA. But you can see all sorts of other possibilities. Mm-hmm. The challenge for the Amazons or the Googles or the Apples uh, is going to be to do the targeting and still get around HIPAA. Um, That is supposed to be prohibited. Skip, you agree? Yeah. uh, And let me uh, go back to something Rob had said and put a different uh, twist on it. Um, HIPAA that came into the law in 1996 basically assumed that the patient's health information was going to get into whatever portfolio through healthcare provider, a professional, a doctor who's subject to the Hippocratic Oath and as part of his or her training uh, knows about the importance of patient confidentiality and so forth. Um, That's not how this information is getting in. A lot of it is coming from the patients itself. And as Rob pointed out a minute ago, maybe it's it's better, maybe it's worse uh, that a doctor is involved. If the healthcare professional is sensitive to these uh, patient confidentiality concerns, that may be a protective feature. Um, but if not, if the doctors are just going to get co-opted and Zelth or other companies like that are going to be able to use the doctor as a conduit right. to get their marketing to the patient, and that's problematic. But, you know, you turn on the television at, at, in prime time, and um, it seems to me like half the advertisements 
are direct-to-consumer advertising from pharmaceutical companies. You know, they give you about five seconds of what the drug will do for you, and then the other 55 seconds is all of the side effects that you've got to watch out for. But the, the, the other part, Skip, is the technology side of this. And obviously Amazon has wanted to, to get into various elements of healthcare for some time now. We keep hearing stories about, about ways that they are going to do it, this being the latest. But I would think this also opens the door for other companies that have these types of, of voice assistants to want to get into this industry as well. You know, and if you look at just the innermost concentric circle, you've got the competition between Amazon uh, <clears throat> with their Echo and Alexa and Google. Uh, and Amazon's way ahead with Alexa at this point, and this gives them a tremendous advantage in the short run uh, for being able to recruit other uh, partners in the industry so that they can come up with all kinds of apps and applications. Yeah. I, I think there's also a fascinating psychology dimension to this. Um, people have been pretty forthcoming with their data when it comes to using a keyboard or a phone. Will they feel as comfortable when they're talking to a, a device? It's one thing sure. to say, yeah. uh, Alexa, uh, play 60s music for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's another thing to say, Alexa, I think I have diabetes. Um, Maybe with time we'll get used to the idea that this box uh, in our kitchen uh, is is our friend, uh, is is our physician, but maybe not. But that makes me wonder if, in fact, this would be something that would be effective with older people because I think there is a level of – I hate to use the word distrust, but I think it's appropriate here of distrust with technology amongst older people in terms of going on the computer, uh, of providing information to begin with in in general and doing it now in a format of just speaking into a, a, a speaker where you really don't know where it's actually going. Right. Um, that's what um, researchers uh, would call a, a cohort effect, the, the cohort of people who are elderly right now who did not grow up with computers and smartphones and so forth. Uh, there's a good chance that that will change over time. So a couple of decades uh, from now, the people who are elderly will feel more comfortable. Um, but there's still going to be that barrier to get over of talking casually uh, to a box, uh, which just feels less private uh, than typing something into a keyboard. Skip, uh, Rob mentioned... Yeah, go ahead. Can I come at this from a different angle? Yep. Um, Speaking as an emeritus faculty member, which gives you some hint of my age range, um, the stereotyping of older people as being the same with regard to their trust or lack of trust in electronics and their ability to manipulate an iPhone or a computer keyboard and so forth. In many cases, I think older people don't do that because of a lack of facility. And if all they had to do was talk, they'd be much more willing to share information. So you go into the kitchen in the morning to get your coffee, and Alexa says, hey, good morning. Did you remember to take your pills this morning? Right. Uh, and I can see how you can form a bond with, with Alexa, especially if your spouse has passed on and Alexa is the only person who talks to you in the morning. What does this mean, Skip, do you believe for healthcare companies in general, seeing this type of partnership between Amazon and some of these companies that have, that have already jumped on board developing these skills? I would think it, it, it seemingly opens the door to the potential of greater innovation by various elements of the healthcare sector. Oh, I think this is a huge door opening. Now that Amazon's got that HIPAA-compliant platform, uh, and they're going out and they're actively soliciting uh, people to work with them to develop a new world of healthcare delivery. 
And I think there's a tremendous amount of uh, positive potential there. But there's also risk, and we just have to be careful that our excitement about the positive potential doesn't blind us to the risk. Rob? Yeah. Well, we had the incident uh, a few months ago where a town turned out that Alexas were listening even when you didn't trigger them. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Uh, so that possibility is particularly scary here. Um, with this kind of sensitive data, uh, I think uh, the Amazons and the Googles are going to have to be especially careful to avoid problems like that. Right. And, and realistically, in this world of technology and in this world of big data that we're in right now and some of the issues that we see around data and privacy, thinking Facebook right off the top of my head, this does put Amazon, and obviously they have a lot of people working for them right now that have been linked to the healthcare sector in the past, but this puts even more pressure on them to make sure that they get this right. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, uh, one or two big scandals uh, and it, uh, th- these innovations that we're talking about uh, could find they've uh, hit a serious roadblock. Uh, now, presumably, they've thought this through, uh, but if you have something uh, potentially always listening to you talking about your most intimate details, right. uh, people are not going to want to comply. One of the the skills, I guess, that has been developed it also deals with uh, the check-in of patients when they leave the hospital in the re- and they're in the recovery process, which is kind of an element, I think, of the telehealth discussion that we've had in the past. But this obviously is a little bit of a, of a different angle on it. Yeah, you can see it as sort of steps. Uh, scheduling appointments uh, is pretty easy, and that's not particularly particularly uh, sensitive. Right. Uh, one of the apps they're talking about is seeing how long the wait is at the local emergency room, for yeah. instance. Yeah. Um, I think once we we get that working and we go to blood glucose measurements or uh, talking with your doctor or uh, having intimate conversations uh, with a nursing home uh, employee, uh, that's where things are going to get more dicey. And, and Skip, it isn't also always necessarily that the specific data that may be talked about between a doctor and a patient has significant impact to people that are looking to do uh, to do wrong on the internet, but it does open the door for them on a particular person to be able to potentially find out other information. Yeah, well, let, let me drop a couple of counterpoints to what was said. For example, Rob said a minute ago that there's nothing too sensitive about calling and making uh, trying to schedule a doctor's appointment. But when I call to schedule a doctor's appointment, um, if I'm doing okay and I just want to come in for a regular checkup, they may schedule me for two or three months out. Uh, if I've got a, a concern now, uh, they may get me in before the end of the week. And I don't know how far Alexa is going to go on this, but if you really need to be seen, you may tell Alexa, I need to see the doctor right away because I'm throwing up or I'm, I've got blood in my urine or whatever. And that gets out. And there are a lot of people nowadays, in the hundreds of thousands, I'm sure, maybe in the millions, who are maintained on maintenance drugs because they're HIV positive and they have to take those drugs every day. Sure. Uh, and so revealing to Alexa that your A1C is up a little bit is one thing. Uh, having Alexa remind you that you didn't take your HIV meds this morning is another. And uh, I'd feel very different if one of those things got out into the world potentially sure. than if the other did. 
Yeah. So I, I think we have two sets of issues here. One is getting out into the world, presumably hacking or um, errors like the uh, machine listening when you haven't triggered it. Uh, the other is how the Amazon and Google and Apple are going to actually use the information. Right. Um, the uses that they presumably feel are legal or HIPAA compliant, uh, but are going to make them money. And all of those companies work off of uh, advertising. Uh, so we will have to see going forward whether they can apply that business model. Does, does this potentially almost – it feels like it, it requires more partnership moving forward to be able to make sure – and I'm saying between like Amazon and Google mm-hmm. – to be able to make sure that those two companies, if they are going to be the leaders – in trying to use their devices to try and uh, you know be able to move forward with this information and these skills, I, I think it almost to a degree require, requires partnership between the two to make sure, again, that they're getting it right. They both have their business aspects of it, but they don't want to infringe on the data and the personal uh, processes of, of patients, potentially. Yeah, well, we can speculate about what it's going to do to industry structure, and there's some fascinating possibilities. For instance, if you want to communicate with your local hospital and doctor, will you have to use one product or the other? Will they have a right. exclusive arrangements? Right. Um, will there be antitrust issues uh, regarding that? Um, I think we're seeing a whole Pandora's box of, of issues here. So then if memory serves, was it Amazon that, that bought PillPack a, a while back? Yeah, and, and, and so obvi- deliver. Yeah, and so then there is that potential uh, of that partnership moving forward. Yeah, that, um, that would and, be concerning. Uh, it would be concerning. Uh, it also has tremendous possibilities in terms of efficiency. Uh, right. You just uh, tell Alexa what your symptoms are, and the pills arrive at your door in a, in a couple of hours. Uh, but they would know an awful lot more about you. Um, I think for Amazon and for the other high-tech companies, they're looking at healthcare, which is up to $3.5 trillion a year. Yeah. Uh, it's 18 or 19% of our economy. Uh, if they can get even a, a tiny slice of that, uh, that's a tremendous win for them. Uh, so uh, I think they're, they're testing the water here, uh, but the potential is so huge uh, that my guess is uh, they're willing to take some risks. Skip, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, well, um, you folks mentioned PillPack, um, but there's another very important alliance uh, that's recently come about, and that's uh, Amazon partnering with Berkshire Hathaway and J.P. Morgan yeah. uh, to, to put together um, a healthcare delivery system for their uh, employees, and that's uh, over a million people. Uh, there's your tiny slice right there. And I would suspect that if Alexa, as a device for helping deliver health care, is going to be promoted, it'll be promoted pretty aggressively within that million-plus group of people. And vice versa. It would also probably, Skip, be uh, promoted with the employees of those companies saying, hey, listen, if you don't have an Alexa and, and you want to be able to either save on your insurance or you know some other kind of stipulation, get an Alexa and you can move forward in that way as well, Skip. Yeah. Let me just throw in a, a, an irony that makes me uh, sort of – I don't know if the word to smile or not, but, you know, um, Donald Trump and Jeff Bezos are uh, not close friends. Um, and yet the Trump administration's anti-regulatory stance, particularly as it goes through the FDA, et cetera, opens the door for the kinds of things that Amazon is doing now. If we had maybe a Democratic administration after 2020 and they were much more concerned about these privacy issues, uh, they might be much tougher on the regulatory um, hoops that you have to go through. 
So interesting that the Trump administration is leaving the field much wider open for Amazon to go forward. Take that, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> so, yeah. Let me mention uh, one other aspect of this that is a, a crucial ingredient in the mix and is very scary but also very exciting, and that's artificial intelligence. Sure, yeah. And yep. they are also working on a parallel track to refine that so that they're not just going to mine this information in terms of what they're going to market to you, but in terms of actually thinking through what your needs are, what your prognosis is. Yep. Um, that's uh, obviously scary in terms of a machine doing all this, but it's also very exciting that they could figure things out that your doctor wouldn't be able to. Great having you both with us. Uh, thanks, Skip, for uh, joining us on the phone today. All the best. My pleasure. Take care, all. Th- thank Bye-bye. you. Rob, great seeing you again. Thank you. Thank you. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 